Locked On Redskins, your daily Washington Redskins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, every day, every day, every day. All right, everyone, we welcome you uh, with us to another edition of the Locked on Redskins podcast. It is episode number 211. That's right, number 211. If you missed episode number 210, it was all about the Redskins 2019 schedule. Uh, But we've got a busy show, as always, right here on episode number 211. And first, we'll start off. Uh, by, as always, telling you to please make sure you follow at Locked Redskins. Got a lot of draft content up right now on the Twitter feed for the podcast, at Locked Redskins. Uh, what I'm trying to do is go through uh, basically the top seven or eight players at the position areas most of need for the Redskins in terms of data provided by Sports Info Solutions, some by Pro Football Focus, some by um, other draft guides and like Kyle Krebs uh, and his scouting service. Um, and I'm trying to post as much of that online so you guys can check it out whenever you want to as opposed to the podcast where we have done a lot of inside the numbers type work and analytics on the quarterbacks but we haven't necessarily delved into all of the the other position groups so I'm trying to cover basically both areas uh, by providing as much content as I have the time for uh, and as much time as I'm allowed to provide. Uh, And what I'm going to do is continue to do that throughout the draft process, which we're now just a week away. So make sure you go check out at Locked Redskins at Locked Redskins is how you get all that content as well. Don't forget, Please, if you haven't already, go check out the At Locked On NFL podcast. That's right, the At Locked On NFL podcast, or I should say the Locked On NFL podcast, not At Locked On NFL. It's At Locked On NFL Net is the Twitter and Instagram feed for all of the different NFL podcasts uh, where you can check everything out. That's at Locked on NFL Net on both Twitter and Instagram. But the Locked on NFL podcast all this week running a special first-round mock draft, and our pick for the Redskins at number 15 is now up. So make sure you go check out who I picked coming up later on in the show. I will tell you who I picked, but I would certainly suggest that you go and listen to the full explanation uh, and hear what Matt Williamson and the other experts on the desk, both from the college scouting side, the NFL side, the team side, and just from the NFL perspective, thought about my particular selection at number 15 overall for the Washington Redskins. Again, it's the Locked on NFL podcast. Go check it out now. All right, so here we go with episode number 211 now that we have some business taken care of. And let's start with some good news for a change for the Washington Redskins. Yeah, Matt Ioannidis, the fine young defensive end from Temple, is going to stay around, signing a three-year, $21.7 million contract extension after his third year in the NFL here. Uh, Again, was drafted by Scott McLuhan and the Redskins out of Temple, fifth round, thought to be a versatile defensive. He was one of my favorite defensive linemen in the draft. Uh, I wrote a column, I'll probably put it back up, uh, if it's still uh, living in um, in the archives on, on my old uh, job at Monumental Sports Network uh, called DCHotRead.com, 
which was a Twitter blog post, you know, started about the Redskins. I did that for about three and a half, four years. Uh, that Matt Ioannidis at the time was my best pick of that particular draft class, um, which everybody laughed at. Everybody, Scott, how could you pick a fifth round? Well, <laughs> trust me. I had seen Matt Ioannidis play at Temple a number of times, and I was pretty convinced that he would be at least a quality, quality contributor on the NFL level. I didn't think he would wind up with seven and a half sacks, but the bottom line is is Matt Ioannidis has turned himself into more than just a quality player. He is a starting defensive end in the National Football League. There is no question about that, and he's got some positional versatility, meaning he can kick inside. Let's go through what Matt Ioannidis uh, has done because we don't have the the full structure of the contract. But just so you know, it's, again, three-year, 21.7-ish million-dollar deal. Mike Garofalo of NFL Media and NFL Network uh, says there's about a $3 million incentive package available. But I haven't seen the structure uh, yet of the deal. And why this is important, we were talking about this just the other day, about not being able to potentially afford Matt Ioannidis. And this was a scenario that I really didn't throw out because I didn't think the Redskins would get this done this quickly and this aggressively. But I'm really happy about it. i got to be honest with you. And here's why. Because I was talking about how they're going to have to save and budget money to take care of Jonathan Allen and potentially to take care of Deron Payne, right? Uh, you're going to have certain guys that are off the books, i.e. Josh Norman. If not after June 1st, he's almost surely going to be off the books at the end of this year. You're going to free up some money that way. You are going to need to draft because they haven't brought one in via free agency and edge pass rusher to help out Ryan Anderson. So at some point I thought, well, geez, they're probably not going to be able to play Matt Ioannidis as a free agent. If he has a pretty good year, five, six sacks, whatever it might be, and last year he had seven and a half, if he has a pretty good year, they're not going to be able to pay Matt Ioannidis. He's going to just make too much money on the open market. What I didn't think of and what I should have thought of and what I'm glad to see that Eric Schaefer was thinking of was that Matt Ioannidis is so important to the Redskins and so highly thought of that the Redskins were able to get a contract extension done now one year left on his original rookie deal, which would have expired at the end of this year as a fifth-round pick. He only got the four years, and he's three years in. So now they don't have to worry about that. Now they just hope that he stays healthy and continues his ascent. Again, seven and a half sacks last year. I don't know if I would expect that, but he's certainly going to command a lot of single matchups just because of Deron Payne and Jonathan Allen creating so much havoc. So Matt Ioannidis gets taken care of. It's a smart deal by the Redskins. Again, I haven't seen the contract structure. I don't need to see the contract structure. I know it's going to be a pretty good one. And kudos to Matt Ioannidis and whoever his agent is. I don't know, and I don't really care. They could have probably taken more money or got more money on the free agent market and left Washington and gone somewhere else and been happy somewhere else and been richer somewhere else. They understood with Jim Tom Sula at least staying here for one more year. They understood with Jonathan Allen and Deron Payne that that makes Matt Ioannidis a much better football player. That allows Matt Ioannidis to be in that seven and a half, eight, who knows, 
sack category. They know that. That was a smart move on their end. They could have played hardball. They could have said, no, you know what? We're going to play it out, just like so many other players do. And then they could have lost if he got injured or if he had a down year. Or he could have gone somewhere else and made more money, which would have been the gamble that so many players take. But they see a good situation here. Matt is kind of happy here. He's from New Jersey. It's not too far away from where he grew up. Again, played at Temple. He's fit in well here. He's got great coaching, at least for now, with Tom Sula. He's got great starting front mates in Deron Payne and, and, and Jonathan Allen and even Tim Settle. It's a good thing for Matt Ioannidis. It's a really good thing for Matt Ioannidis. All right, I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to come and do a little bit more on Ioannidis in, uh, in the next segment. I'll give you some numbers, give you some statistics, some analytics uh, that I have via our friends at Pro Football Focus and their premium subscription package and their premium stats package. We'll do that next uh, because I went a little bit long here. Uh, but I think it's important to again point out that this is a good thing for the Redskins, a good thing for Matt Ioannidis, and something, quite honestly, that I didn't really expect to happen. So I'm always, when I'm pleasantly surprised, I'm pleasantly surprised. And you should be as well if you care about the Washington Redskins. There is nothing bad about locking up Matt Ioannidis to a three-year extension um, and deal. So, uh, again, we'll wait to see the exact terms but this is a good thing for the Washington Redskins, and I believe for Matt Ioannidis. It takes two to tango, and Ioannidis wanted to stay here because he's smart, and he realizes, again, good coaching situation, Tom Sula, good teammates and defensive line mates around him that make him better. And he sacrificed potentially a little bit of money. So good on you, Matt, and good on the Washington Redskins and Eric Schaefer for getting it done. All right. Some numbers, some analytics on Ioannidis and just how good he is next right here on the Locked on Redskins podcast. Thanks for being with us. All right, guys, we welcome you back. It is episode number 211 of the Locked on Redskins podcast. I'm your host, Chris Russell. Again, you can follow me individually on Twitter at Russellmania621. But just a warning, as you probably know, no... Uh, that is not just for Redskins content. If you want just Redskins content um, and a little sprinkle of the NFL, check out at Locked Redskins, at Locked Redskins on Twitter. And again, just can't say this enough, go check out the exclusive first round mark, uh, mark mock draft right now on the Locked on NFL podcast. And make sure you check out who we picked at number 15 for the Washington Redskins. Now, of course, that's based on who was taken ahead of me. So the full explanation is there. All right, so let's get to it. Matt Ioannidis' situation, just wanted to run back uh, through Ioannidis. In 2018 overall, he had a 69.4 overall grade from Pro Football Focus com and their premium subscription package. A run defense grade of 60.5. These are all out of 100. Tackling 77.8. Pass rush 70.6. Coverage 60.7. He had a 36 total pressures, seven and a half sacks. Uh, Pro Football Focus gives for half sacks, they give full sacks. So they list eight, just so you know. 
It's seven and a half according to the official NFL accounting. It's eight according to Pro Football Focus. Three quarterback hits, 25 hurries. So that's how you get that number. He had 18 tackles, two assists, uh, two missed tackles, uh, 18 stops, and a forced fumble made. Uh, He did not get targeted or beat or anything in pass coverage, so as as you would pretty much expect. The 69.4 overall grade was on 439 pass rush uh, snaps, 275 of those against the pass. That's slightly down for Ioannidis from the 584 last year, and of course part of uh, the reason for that, quite honestly, is because he didn't play in the Philadelphia Monday night game. And he didn't play in the Philadelphia division-ending game, Week 17. So, Ioannidis, you know, again, a little bit banged up, as was everyone. Um, But once the Redskins did not need that game, Week 17, because of the loss in Tennessee, uh, you know, Ioannidis just, you know, again, there was no need to push him through the grinder uh, as, as well. But again, 439 snaps down a little bit from the previous year, 584 snaps. Now, of course, they had less of a rotation. They didn't have Settle. They didn't have Deron Payne uh, at that time as well. Uh, but just some overall career grades. He's gone from a 61.0 overall in 2016 to 66.3 to 69.4, as we mentioned. In terms of pass rush, he's gone from 56.3 to 72.2 to 70.6. So all of those metrics are pretty good for Matt Ioannidis, who has generated 85 total pressures in his three years. That's on 1,126 total snaps and 706 pass rush snaps. That all according to ProFootballFocus.com. His game of the year, the Alex Smith injury and loss to the Houston Texans, and 83.6 for Matt Ioannidis in that particular game with a pass rush of 82.9. He had five, five quarterback curries and no sacks. It kind of tells you, you know, sometimes you can be effective without actually having the sacks, and that's what I kind of look at. I mean, sacks are great, but I also need effectiveness in other areas. How much harassment, how much pressure, how much... Uh, how many blown tackles, that type of thing. So good job by Matt Ioannidis. Again, his strongest graded game. Actually, uh, check that. His second strongest graded game uh, was against Houston. Uh, that was with the five hurries. His number one game overall was the season opener against Arizona, and he did have a sack in that one and also three hurries. So uh, again, just want to point that out in fairness. I missed that at the top of my screen. All right, moving on from Matt Ioannidis. Congratulations, of course, uh, to him. Job well done. Two stories that I wanted to bring to your attention. We went through the Redskins preseason schedule last night as well, in addition to the regular season schedule. They open up again. Now all these dates are set. All four games on Thursday, starting Thursday, August 8th. Uh, in Arizona, uh, in Cleveland, I should say. Arizona is where they started. Uh, the year last year, and that means training camp will start two weeks before that down in Richmond. Now, speaking of Richmond, Michael Phillips of the Richmond Times-Dispatch, who is dialed into uh, a lot of things that I 
specifically don't have any real connection to or knowledge to. Uh, so whenever I need something, when it comes to Richmond, because, well, he's the sports editor of the Richmond Times-Dispatch, and he's really smart and he's really good, uh, you go to Michael and you say, hmm, what does he know that I don't know? Does he know something more? So <clears throat> there was this exchange between he and Craig Hoffman on Twitter. Craig Hoffman, <clears throat> in full disclosure, covers the Redskins, again, for 106.7 The Fan, my radio station. So Craig listed the preseason schedule, August 8th at Cleveland, August 15th, home for Cincinnati, August 22nd at Atlanta, again, all on Thursday nights, August 29th, home for Baltimore, uh, what we mentioned last night. And he threw in this kind of as a tag because this is the way the Redskins have done business in several of the last couple of years, uh, not every year, because they haven't always been able to get a team there. He said four straight Thursdays, too, any joint practice would be Cincinnati in Richmond. And that makes sense, right? You're not going to do it for the Baltimore game. That's general, the way the Redskins have done it because of their deal with Richmond um, is they've found a team that they are playing in the preseason, that they are playing at home. Now, it doesn't always have to be that particular case. There was the one year where they took on Houston, and Houston was not playing at FedEx Field in preseason. So again, it can be that they practice with a team that actually isn't playing a preseason game here. And to that point, that's why Michael Phillips got involved. He said, that's most likely, meaning the Cincinnati uh, week of practices or three practices leading up to the game, he said, that's most likely, but other options still on the table, including a road trip or a team not on the schedule. Now, I think personally, it is more likely that there would be a team not on the schedule. As we just kind of talked about when Houston was here, Houston was not on the schedule. But could the Redskins be looking at going away for a couple of days and practicing? I believe the Saints still play and practice and train at Briarwoods, uh, not at Briarwoods, um, in West Virginia. I forgot the resort that, uh, uh, that it's called. Uh, either way, it's just a couple of hours away. Uh, and they could potentially do that. Or they could go somewhere else, maybe to Cleveland, and have a bonding trip before that. Turn it into a trip to the Hall of Fame, which they did last time they were in Cleveland for the preseason opener, and they could practice up there for a day or two before the game. So we'll have to wait and see. It would be a little surprising if they go away from Richmond for a couple of days. But remember, they are not in Richmond the entire time, not only of the preseason, but every day too. Like they'll, you know, again, that game is Thursday, August 8th. What they'll do is they'll have one practice on Tuesday, August 6th, and then they don't practice on Wednesday, and then they don't practice again on Friday. So it's not like they can't work it out. And if it means staying in Richmond an extra day or two longer to make up those dates for their contract, then they can do that as well. They can do that rather easily and still accomplish what they want. Again, going to uh, West Virginia if they wanted to uh, or potentially, again, road tripping up to Cleveland and practicing in Ohio. They could still do that. They could still do that. 
All right, so that's that situation. Let's wrap up there. And when we come back, we will have another story that we kind of made reference to that, again, my colleague Craig Hoffman put out on what the Redskins were recently up to. It's kind of interesting. Well, that's next right here on the Locked on Redskins podcast. We welcome you back. Good to have you with us right here on the Locked on Redskins podcast. The Redskins did something pretty interesting a couple of weeks ago. April 2nd, uh, Craig Hoffman wrote this for the fandc.com. Uh, uh, and in full disclosure, I knew about this uh, particular situation and I kind of made a veil reference to it, but I didn't have permission to go forward with this. I'll just leave it at that. Uh, sometimes with stories, you have to kind of have certain people's permission and certain situations. And um, I just didn't have it. So. In full disclosure, Craig and I uh, and others that are involved in covering the Redskins that I work with on a daily basis uh, were fully aware of this going on, but some more due diligence had to be put together, uh, and uh, here's where we're at. So just, again, a little behind-the-scenes pulling of the curtain. So, again, you can read the entire article at thefandc.com, but on April 2nd, 16 members of the Redskins organization, boarded Redskins 1, or Daniel Snyder's private plane, for what has, as Craig terms it, an, a, become an annual trip. Uh, I'm told that this is the third time, third year in a row, that the Redskins have done this. Members of the coaching staff, front office personnel, but no Jay Gruden. Jay Gruden did not make the trip because he was really behind in his draft prep, uh, as it was explained to me. And as Craig says, he had already spoken to so many of the players at the Combine and on individual visits uh, where he takes a lead role in their meetings. So basically what the Redskins did was make a second pro day trip to Tuscaloosa. The first pro day was official pro day, was Alabama's official pro day on March 19th. The Redskins went back on April 2nd. The 16-person traveling team party included team president Bruce Allen, Doug Williams, vice president of player personnel, Kyle Smith, and the Redskins area scout that covered Alabama all year long, several members of the coaching staff, including Greg Minuski, the defensive coordinator, defensive line coach Jim Tom Sula, and running backs coach Randy Jordan. So if you kind of have... You know, if you kind of pull the, the, the curtain back, it, it may shed some light on maybe who they're targeting. Uh, if you send, say, like a guy like Randy Jordan, the running backs coach, maybe they take an Alabama running back at some point in this draft because, well, Adrian Peterson is 34 and Darius Geis right now uh, is an unknown. So Craig writes, quote, while most teams were represented at this second pro day, nobody does it quite like the Redskins. Now, I didn't know this. I didn't know that other teams were involved in this. Uh, I was told it was just the Redskins, or I was told about the Redskins. I didn't know that other teams were also there. But Craig points out they coordinate with the Alabama program, and clearly the Redskins have that pipeline, and they've drafted plenty of Alabama players, so it makes sense for Nick Saban in Alabama to have a good working relationship with the Redskins. Now, um, what is accomplished in this particular day that can't be on the main pro day is personnel 
can spend time with the players, watching film, getting to know them even more, uh, talking, uh, and get more time with the Alabama coaching staff because, quite simply, there's a lot less of a zoo. There's no television cameras. There's no circus. There's no nothing. Uh, NFL Network is not there. So this makes a lot of sense, right, for the Redskins. Clearly, again, they have the pipeline. But you want to get to know as much of these guys as you possibly can, right? You can't bring in everybody for an individual visit. So Craig also lists uh, a couple of guys that they could certainly have an interest in, in safety Deontay Thompson, offensive lineman Jonah Williams, tight end Irv Smith, edge linebacker Christian Miller, uh, another linebacker Mac Wilson, Josh Jacobs, and this is the running back that maybe is potentially the guy that would most intrigue the Redskins based on need, based on when they can afford to spend a pick on it, perhaps Damian Harris. I think Josh Jacobs will be gone in the first round. Uh, He's the best back in the draft. So uh, there are other uh, football players, football players from Alabama, Lester Cotton, a left guard, uh, Savion Smith, a corner that certainly could attract the Redskins' attention. But I thought this was really interesting that the Redskins made a second pro day visit down to Alabama for what I'm told the third year in a row. And again, there were other teams represented, but no other organization, uh, I, I guess, from what I understand, had a such a big traveling party to the University of Alabama. And to my knowledge, the Redskins don't do this for any other organization or any other program. I could be wrong on that. Maybe they're doing it for Clemson and I haven't found out about it and Craig hasn't found out about it. But to my knowledge, they're not doing this for any other program right now other than Alabama. But it certainly makes sense. And I would highly encourage football factories, i.e. Clemson, uh, to potentially look at this and the Redskins to potentially look at doing it with other places. All right, so I wanted to get that out there, uh, and that's going to have to do it for us. I didn't get to uh, stories from uh, the rest of the schedule and as well um, Donald Trump, the president of the United States, offering his opinion Uh, on the Redskins, which was interesting. We will do that in the next episode. Uh, As well, the actual draft pick that I picked in our mock draft that's going on right now on the Locked On NFL channel. Locked On NFL podcast. Go check it out. Uh, And the pick is not from Alabama. It's Clemson's edge linebacker, Cleland Farrell. So I explain it all in detail. Maybe I'll run that back on the next podcast, um, on the next episode, as to why I picked Cleland Farrell. Uh, But that's who I picked, and you can go check it out again right now on the Locked On NFL podcast. It's up there. I believe it's an episode uh, marked April 17th, Part 3. So go check that out. Uh, and go check out all the other episodes. All right, that's going to do it for us on the Locked on Redskins podcast. I am your host, Chris Russell. We are out of here. See you next time. This has been episode number 211. Thanks for being with us. Adios.